Thank you, worship team. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Craig Jarvis. I'm the lead pastor here at Village Church East. It's my privilege to welcome you and Dave's mom even to our service this morning. It's good to see you again. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to sing these songs uh, each Sunday, and uh, I, I love what uh, Nathan said in his prayer there, that uh, these, singing these songs is us praying to Jesus, and it's very much that way. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible called Psalms that are songs that we pray to God. And so God loves to hear from us, and this brings us to the last message we have on the armor of God. So today is the last day on our armor of God. So I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. So hopefully all of your onslaughts of the evil one will stop as of today. <laughs> I, I doubt that. I do wanna let you know that uh, for the next couple of Sundays we're doing a short series on encouragement. Uh, and we're actually gonna do a, a, a little life study on one of the greatest encouragers that we have in scripture in the New Testament. And so uh, if that, in, if that um, uh, inspires you to come by, if you're online and you're thinking to yourself, yes, I would come out for a message on encouragement, I need some encouragement, then you wanna be here for the next couple of Sundays because that's what we're gonna do. After that, we are going to do a series on heaven and hell. Yeah, and uh, that starts on October 31st. Isn't that perfect? So, uh, so we're gonna start that series after that. I hope all of these things uh, are not just uh, things that, um, that, that we enjoy hearing each Sunday, but there are messages that encourage us to change because uh, that's why we do what we do every Sunday here. How many of you like Marvel movies? Do you like Marvel movies? No? No Marvel fans here? Okay, all right, all right, yeah. Where would we be without CG? Is it CGs? No, AI, AI whatever it is. Where, yeah, without the green screen, we'd all be lost, right? CGI, thank you very much, Nathan, yes. From, from the younger generation to the older, yeah. These, uh, these, these uh, Marvel uh, uh, personalities are very entertaining. Iron Man came along first as, as the, the first Marvel m movie that we had. And, uh, and we loved him because he was entertaining. But, uh, but, uh, and I think Robert Downey Jr. Was, was a perfect choice for this, don't you? He was, just, he was quality, and so they killed him off at the end, and it was sobbing in the movie. Oh, sorry, did I blow that for you? Sorry about that. No, he's still living. You didn't walk into the light yet. So, um, but so Captain America comes along. You love Captain America? He's just a strong, strapping, Beth would say, good-looking young man. And so, and I could say that too. I feel strong enough in my own male, maleness to say that. But he had great morals. We love Captain America. Then the Hulk came along and he just got angry and smashed things up. He's a great illustration, by the way, of the biblical Samson. Samson never did anything good until he lost his temper. And every time he lost his temper, God let him do something good. But it, but it was always like vindication for how I've been wronged. <laughs> Samson's an interesting character. Each of these, each of these Marvel comics, they, they fight and they fight. They find their strength in unique ways, like... Like Iron Man, how does he find his strength? In his what? In his suit. Without his suit, he's just a normal human being. Captain America, how did he get his strength? Yeah, he got vaccinated. <laughs> sorry, he got the injection. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, did I take that down the political road? Sorry about that. Uh, no, he got, he got uh, the injections, remember that? So he got super strength. Hulk, how did he get his strength? Radiation. 
Yeah, he, he, there, was a, there was a gamma leak at the lab, and he got, even Spider-Man, this is one of my favorite guys, Spider-Man comes along, and how did Spider-Man get his strength? He got bit by a radioactive spider. All these guys have their, their strength in these unique ways. It's not found in themselves. It's found in like something that happened to them, experience that, or, some, or a suit that they put on. Listen, we are soldiers in God's army. We've been talking about this, and this is our last Sunday to talk about it, so it's really important that we understand where we get our strength from. And church, that's why Paul holds off to the very end before he tells us, put on the whole armor of God, and the last thing I need to tell you is you need to remember where you get your strength from. Church, do you know where you get your strength from to put the armor on, keep the armor on, and stand firm? Do you know where you get it from? Prayer. Prayer is our means whereby we find strength to stand. And having done all, to stand. Like the activity we did last week. Where do we find our strength? We find it when we're broken, when we're tired, when we just need a break. We find our strength in prayer. When we're confused, when we're disjointed in life, when we're distraught about the decisions of those around us, we find our strength in prayer. Prayer is given to us as a means whereby we find a supernatural power, a power that goes beyond this world, that taps literally into the spiritual world so that we can find strength in our time of need. When you look at scripture, at all of these powerful men and women in scripture who were deflated or worn out or at the end of their rope, what did they do to find strength? Every single time they went to prayer. Every time. Elijah prayed to God when he felt abandoned. He prayed to God that he would take his life, but he still prayed to God. Nehemiah prayed when he needed to face the king and take his life into his own hands. Daniel prayed when he faced the lions. Prayed as though his life depended on it, which literally it did. David prayed so much, he actually wrote a book on prayer, the book of Psalms. The longest book we have in the Bible is a book on prayer. Hezekiah prayed when he was about to die and asked that God would extend his life. The entire church in Acts 12 prayed in the New Testament that Peter would be freed from prison and an angel comes, you can read this story, it's really an interesting, it's an interesting moment in Peter's life. Angel comes, unlocks the door, Peter's freed, he shows up while they're praying that he would be freed and he knocks on the door and this girl goes to the door and said, who's there? And he said, it's Peter. And she says, mm, no, he's in prison. Well, what are you doing in there? We're praying that he would be freed. I'm free. No, they don't believe it. Moses talked to God like he was talking to a friend, it says in Exodus 33. Prayer is an intimate, important, essential, every word that you can get that starts with a vowel, it is an important part of our lives. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says this. Pray without stopping. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying for God's sake. Whatever you do, don't stop praying. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Listen, so many people come to me and they say, what is God's will for me? And I literally don't know what God's will for most people is like tomorrow. I don't know what God's will is for me tomorrow. I know there are certain things, live holy and those kinds of things. I know those things, but as far as what direction, right or left, what job to take, what, what, I don't know. But this I know. If you ask me what is God's will for you, here's God's will for you that you pray without ceasing. You never stop. You give thanks in all circumstances. I can honestly say 
This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. At any time in a soldier's life, in any circumstance, he can stop what he's doing, she can stop what she's doing, and she can pray and ask God instantly, cry out for help. I'm amazed at how soldiers stay in contact with generals. I watched this one movie recently where a military regiment was fighting on the battlefield and the commanders of the armies on the battlefield were constantly looking up to the hills and the generals were giving them signals in various different ways as to what they should do on the battlefield. Why was that important? Because the general's on the high ground. He can see what's happening beneath him. And so those who are fighting look to their leaders who are looking to the hills to find out what the generals have to say. In military times, in ancient military times, drums were used, trumpets were used, banners, different banners were flown because there there was no direct communication as far as walkie-talkies, they didn't have them. There's no satellite connection, there weren't any satellites. So they had to look up to the hills and they had to see banners flying or torches flown in different ways. In the Civil War, there was a change of methodology. There was an introduction of some new ways that communication would take place so that the leaders on the field and the soldiers on the field could look up and see what the generals wanted them to do next. They used flags and they used torches, but they introduced this really unique thing called a bugle. Ever seen the bugle? These bugles uh, were, were the mainstay of communication so that the soldiers would know what the generals wanted them to do. One Union bugler, his name was Oliver Norton, became famous for saying that bugles were the, quote, mouthpiece of the generals. Platoon leaders would look up to the hills, they would would see the changing flags, they would see torches at night so that they would know what to do in the dark, and they would listen. They would listen for the bugle, playing loudly to direct their next movements. There's, There's a context where when we pray, we are in connection with God like few other times in our lives. This is the power of prayer. Psalm 145 literally says this as a connection that I'm making between the soldiers on the field and the the generals. Listen to this, Psalm 145, 18. The Lord, church, would you say this with me because it's so good. Here we go. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Church, the Lord is near to all who call on him. I don't know about you, but I've had days when I felt like the Lord is far. I felt like I'm praying and it's going to the ceiling, I'm filling this room with noise, but that's as far as it's going. I want you to know, church, that the Bible is given to us so it can clear up the fog in our heads and can remind us the Lord is near to those who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desire of those who fear them. Listen to this, church. He hears their cries and saves them. Same thing is reiterated in the New Testament. Philippians 4, 5, this is one of my favorite verses. If you like memorization, this is one you should memorize. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is where, church? At hand. Don't you like to have stuff at hand? Like when I'm driving, I like to have stuff at hand because if I dig for stuff in, my, in the pocket in between or underneath my seat, I'm going to have an accident. I need to have all my stuff right at my fingertips. The Lord is at hand, church. He's near to all those who call on him. So the Lord is at hand. So then don't be anxious about how many things, church? 
Don't be anxious about anything. Why? The Lord's near to you. He's like, he's literally right there. So don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, here's, here's what he says, but in everything by what church? Prayer and supplication with, don't forget to give God thanks. <laughs> That's really hard to do when it's rough, right? When you're in the storm, it's hard to give God thanks. In everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Why? Because he's near. He's literally right there. And he has the advantage of higher ground. We don't. We're on the battlefield. We only see what's in front of us. Sometimes that's discouraging because we don't know what's coming next. We don't know the onslaught. We don't know the sickness that's coming. We don't know the disappointment in our friends. We don't know what's going to happen at our jobs. We don't know health issues. We don't know anything. It just comes at us left and right like waves. You've got a general on the hills. He sees everything. And when you pray, you've got a direct connection with he who rules all things. Prayers are means of contact with this great God. Instantly, the resources of an all-powerful God are at a soldier's disposal. I, I remember when I went to Colorado um, several years ago. It was one of the first times I'd ever been there. I'd never seen, like, the Rocky Mountains. Now, I'd been to uh, Europe before, and I'd seen the Alps, and those are pretty breathtaking. But there's just something about the Rocky Mountains, maybe because the roads are so close to the mountains, but I, I drove through these, these mountains and the sun would be shining and it would be brilliantly warm and, it, and, and everything was just like green. It was beautiful. And then all of a sudden I'd, I'd go through a pass and it was dark because the mountains were so high they cut off the sun. The shadows they cast went everywhere. And, and you, couldn't, you couldn't drive without being amazed at the monstrosity, the, the majesty, the the overwhelming power of these, these hills, these mountains. That's why David, I think, reminds us we have a general that overlooks all this. He's up there. He's, he's like a mountain that, uh, you know, the general that overrules all things. And in prayer, we, we remind ourselves that he's really in charge. Psalm 121 actually says this. This is the verse that I got when I was in Colorado. Listen to this. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Constant prayer reminds us constantly that we depend on a powerful God for all of our answers, for whatever happens in heaven and on the earth. And church, let me just say this before we get to our main verse in a, in a second here. The alternative is true. If communication with this all-powerful God is that significant in our lives, the evil one wants nothing more than to sever that communication. It is the ploy of any military leader that the first thing you take out is communication. You've got to sever the lines so that these soldiers feel alone. And when you're in a spiritual battle, the last thing you want to do is feel alone, right? Satan will come at you and he will make your life so devastating or maybe even so mundane and boring, whatever it is, or maybe so good that you don't take advantage of communication with the general. It's a main source of strength to hold on the armor. 
That might be why Paul spends more time on prayer than on any other piece of the armor. Did you know that? Spends more time talking about prayer. You can pick it up in Ephesians 6 and verse 18. The Apostle Paul is writing and he finishes up, you know, breastplate of the righteousness, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, gets through it all, belt of truth. And then he says in verse 18, praying at how many times, church? And there you have it. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert and persevere, making supplication for all the saints. Soldiers who don't pray are vulnerable to attack. And I gotta tell you, church, this is, to be very honest with you, this is one area that I struggle with a lot. I mean, I pray, don't get me wrong, but I don't think I pray without ceasing. That's a tough call. I don't know about you, but sometimes I go through a whole day and think to myself, did I pray today? Did I spend any time with the general at all? Am I a soldier on the field that is about to be nailed and vulnerable in some way because I don't have my communication lines open? Paul knows this. Paul knows that he already has a formidable foe in the devil. But I gotta tell you, if there's one person that walked the planet that I would think to myself, yeah, I wanna hang around him because he's obviously loved of God and you know, God, God's got a special place for him, I would think hanging out with the apostle Paul would be the way to go, wouldn't you? I mean, he's planted churches. He's seen Jesus face to face. He's been taught for three years by Jesus himself. He has become a, literally a disciple of Jesus Christ, an apostle because God revealed himself to him while he was on this, uh, this road on his donkey at one point. I mean, he's met with all the disciples. They're all hanging out with him. He's hanging out with them. This is a formidable guy. And now, in this passage of scripture, Paul is getting ready to go to Rome. I don't know if you knew that and he's literally in chains. He's in house arrest, and his next stop is to appear before Nero. And this amazing, powerful individual that every one of us would go, you know, Craig, you should step off. The Apostle Paul is here. Let's listen to him just for today, all right? We love you, but Paul's here, for goodness sakes. This amazing guy says, I will not even think about appearing before Nero unless I know all of you are praying for me. Isn't that crazy? He would not even consider moving without being covered in prayer. Look in verse 19. And pray also for me. Listen, church, listen to this. That the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. If there's any guy who boldly proclaims the mystery of the gospel, it's Paul. But Paul is so enamored by the fact that he needs prayer right now. He's going to appear before Nero. He's probably going to die, and he did. He's probably going to die in this, in, in this point of his life. That he said, I just need you to pray for me. And it's interesting. He doesn't say, pray that I get out of this. He asked for this. He asked to appear before Nero. But you know what he's praying for? Pray that I stand that I boldly proclaim the truth of God, the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which I am, I am here he says, an ambassador in chains. <laughs> Think about that. Paul says he's, an, he's literally a prisoner and he's calling himself a what? An ambassador. Because he knows God doesn't make mistakes. Wherever he is, 
He's an ambassador. He's now an ambassador in chains that I may, and then he says it again, that I may declare the gospel boldly as, I love this, as I ought to speak. There are more verses devoted to this idea of prayer when talking about the armor of God than the helmet, than the faith, than the sword. A soldier can have a soldier can have the belt, the helmet, the shield, the faith, the, faith the, the, the sword of the spirit. A soldier can have all of those things and still fail. Can still fail, apparently. A soldier will not live to their full potential if they lose connection with the general. There was a battle in the Middle Ages in, in uh, the time of the Knights of Charlemagne the King. Charlemagne had one of his main commanders. His name was Roland. <laughs> Roland, Roland was this amazing commander. He, 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 if you read about him, he, he took a lot of battles, won a lot of battles. One day, he was traveling with his troops through the Pyrenees Mountains. And as he went through the mountains, he got into a little skirmish. The enemy attacked. Because he was such an amazing soldier, he figured... Uh, we'll, we'll take these guys. And he got defeated in that battle. Interestingly enough, Roland always carried a horn with him. See that little horn? Roland always carried that horn with him. And it was known that he would carry the horn because Ro- it was called Roland's horn. He would blow the horn and the, uh, the cavalry would arrive. The backup would arrive. He was so sure that he could win this particular day, he didn't blow his horn and he was defeated it was until he didn't realize he was going to be defeated until it was too late because he failed to use his secret resource his troops were decimated and here's the irony every time you see a picture of Roland every time you see a picture of this guy he's blowing a horn the one thing he forgot to do he didn't do because he was too confident that he wouldn't lose this war Listen, when a Christian does not use prayer, he neglects one of the main resources God has given to him. Church, when a Christian does not pray, she neglects the greatest resource that God has given to her. We think that we're ready. We can take on the world. We can face down the enemy because we've done it before. We can look him in the eye because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Quote your favorite verse. You're gonna win. You're on the winning side. God's not on your side. You're on his and he wins. The problem is we become so confident that we, we, we neglect this greatest resource way too often. We don't realize where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. How powerful is Iron Man without his suit? <laughs> Not very. <laughs> he's, he's just a normal guy. How powerful is a soldier of God without the power of God in prayer? This is an interesting theme of Paul's prayer because when he prays, his prayer request is not that he will live. His prayer request is not that he will survive. His prayer request is not that he will get a meal <laughs> from these stupid guards that are not feeding him. His prayer request is that his, his wrist would, not that his wrist would heal from the chains that are around them. His prayer request isn't to get out of jail. His prayer request is that he might boldly proclaim the gospel like he ought to speak. Paul is asking that the armor would hold for him 
when he is attacked. He's literally saying, I'm about to go into the den of evil. Pray that I stand. Pray that I make it clear. Pray that I speak boldly. Pray that when I get into the court of Nero, who is an insane individual, who we now know looking back in history, played his fiddle while, while Rome burned. Pray that this guy, who is insane, would hear the gospel and God would change him. Pray for that. And pray that I would be bold to speak like I should. When it comes time, time for me to be bold to speak, pray that I will be bold to speak. There's an old song that says, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Prayer is the piece, is a part of our lives that covers every part of the armor that we wear. We, we don't pray that we, we would have more righteousness. Breastplate of the righteousness, you've got the righteousness of God. We, we, we pray that we would boldly be living out the righteousness of God in very difficult places. We don't, we don't pray that the message of the gospel uh, would be delivered by our, our, our armored feet. We pray that we would have the ability to take that gospel into the dark places and boldly speak it like we should. You don't pray that the gospel would be more powerful. The gospel's about as powerful as it can possibly be. We pray that we would be able to boldly use the gospel as God would have us use it. This is why we pray in the spirit. Verse 18, I take it back to verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. It's not a matter of how you pray. It's a matter of who you pray to. Praying in the spirit means we pray from the inner part of us that reminds us who we are and whose we are. Romans 8.16 says says this, the spirit bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. And church, this is the point. When we pray in the spirit, we literally are praying, reminding ourselves who we are and whose we are. (laughs) We are followers of Jesus and we are children of the living God. That's who we are. And I don't know about you, but I never needed an appointment to talk to my dad. Did you? And if you did, we'll talk afterwards. Maybe we need to. Maybe there's some things in your past that we need to work through, but my children never make an appointment with me. They knock, sometimes they don't even knock. They just come right on in. Apparently, they think they've got easy access to their dad whenever they want it. Literally, I have to lock the door if I don't want them coming in because apparently they think they can come on in and talk to me about whatever they want, whenever they want. And you want to know the truth? They can. You want to know why? They're my kids. They're my children. They know who they are. They know whose they are. And they think that they can talk to me about whatever they want, whenever they want, and church. (laughs) This is our relationship to God. Prayer means, prayer is our access to him whenever we want, about whatever we want, and the reason he listens to us is because we are his children. Because when we pray, the Spirit reminds us who we are, and whose we are. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, (laughs) making supplication for all the saints. I I love this idea. If you don't know what to pray for, here's a little acronym. Maybe maybe prayer is new to you. You've never really tapped into it. Yeah, you know the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Things that you can include in your prayer. We get this from the Bible. We don't, we we steal everything from the Bible, just so you know. Like it's, it's, what do you call it? It's all plagiarism here. We're just taking it all out of scripture, all right? So here's ACTS. When you look in scripture at what people are praying for, they are adoring God, that's adoration. 
They're confessing sins, that's the C. They're giving thanksgiving to God, that's the T. And the last one is the S, that's the supplication. They're bringing their requests to God. And their requests mean they're asking things for others. Not just for themselves, but for others. Look at this verse. Verse 19, I take it back to this. He says, pray also for who, church? Paul says, pray also for me, that words may be given to me. Paul Paul is saying, I need you to pray for me. I don't think I've got what it takes without knowing that somebody's praying for me. Paul's praying for himself. Paul asks others to pray for him as well. And he's not praying for safety and comfort. He's praying that he would be boldly proclaiming the gospel as he ought to speak. Some of us are really good at asking God for stuff, right? I've, I've heard some prayers in my life, and I think the common theme for a lot of Christians is we, we know how to ask God for stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's interesting to me that in Scripture, sometimes we're asking God for the wrong stuff. What I mean by that is Some of us are really good at asking God for things, but not so good at asking for the very thing that will deliver that reward to us. What will deliver the reward to us? That God would change this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about it. My kids are messed up. No, not my kids, but let's just, I'm giving you an example, all right? So my kids are messed up. I need you to pray for my kids. They're just wackadoodle. I don't know what they think half the time. They're making bad decisions. They're hanging out with bad people. I'm afraid they're not going to live to see their next birthday. Please pray for my kids. Good prayer requests or bad prayer requests? Good prayer requests. What about this one? Please pray for my kids. They're wackadoodle. They're making all bad decisions. They're hanging out with bad people. They're driving in cars. I don't think they're going to make it for their 21st birthday. Pray that God would change their hearts and they would respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good prayer or bad prayer? Which, is it better than the first one or, better, or, or worse? It's better because the gospel is a long-term solution. I think we might not be praying like we should be praying. There's a religious cleansing going on in the Middle East right now. You don't see it on the news right now, but especially in Afghanistan right now, our brothers and sisters in Christ are being hunted down because they follow Jesus Christ, they're followers of Jesus. The people who who now rule Afghanistan don't like that. They follow the Koran in some pretty stringent, wrong, evil ways. And any, any combative religion against that, they're gonna eradicate. And they're, they're hunting them down. It's not just in Afghanistan. To be honest with you, it's all around the world. Sudan, North Korea, China, it's all around the world right now. Christians are being hunted down for the gospel. They're being wiped out. They're being kidnapped. They're being, they're being forced to flee their homes. I just did a, a post in, in Nigeria. These, you remember Bring our, our Girls Home? You remember that several years ago? You don't hear anything about that anymore, do you? Do you know what happened after that? Bring our girls home. It became the thing in America. Let's all hold a sign, bring our girls home. Does anybody care about that anymore? No. So how genuine was that? Right? Not genuine. It's a good political tool. Do you know what happened after that? What happened is we paid the the ransom to get these girls out. We sent in the troops. We got the girls out. 
What happened after that? It's about two, three, no, it's about, it's about four or five years after that now. Kidnapping has become a very lucrative business in Nigeria. And so you know what's happened? More girls, more kids are being kidnapped. And you know where they're being kidnapped from? Missionaries who establish Christian schools. They're stealing these kids, and because people will pay, they're making money off this new business. It's an evil world. And, and when we pray, when we invest our time and our effort into these things, this needs to be like a thing on our prayer request that we pray daily. And, and we need to pray that, listen, nothing's gonna change the hearts of these evil men. Nothing's gonna change it except the gospel. That's it. And we need to pray that the gospel breaks through in all these corners of our world. We should be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world regularly. Pray that their faith would stand up against the onslaught. Pray that the gospel changes their culture. This is what Paul specifically was asking for, and this is what blows me away when I read this passage of scripture, because Paul talks about prayer more than any part of the armor, and the thing that he talks about is, pray that I would boldly proclaim the gospel as I ought to. Sometimes I think we pray for the wrong things. Andrew Knoll says this way, in the spiritual war, Paul emphasized the importance of total prayer. Pray in every way, on all occasions, and at all times. Christians are to be fully alert to the state of the battle in constant communication with their commanding Lord and actively supporting their fellow soldiers. So here's some so what's for you. Number one, prayer is how the Christian finds strength to fight the battles. This is our mainstay. This is our bread and butter. We are not Iron Man, Spider-Man, or Captain America. They find their strength in temporary things. We find our strength in supernatural things. You're a soldier of God with the power through prayer to tap into the most powerful entity in the universe who loves you more than you can possibly know. Prayer is our means of admitting that God is truly faithful and he will meet any need that we have, and we are absolutely dependent on him. The more we pray, the more our spiritual eyes will be opened as to what God is doing around us. The less we pray, the more confused and fearful we will become. Remember, the theme of our prayers is not that we would have things more easy. <laughs> our prayer is not for ease, it's, at, it's that God's will would be done. In other words, prayer is not to get the burden off our backs, Prayer is to have stronger backs. Pray in this present darkness. You're in battle and you should really start praying. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You remember that? But against principalities, rulers, authorities, spiritual darkness and heavenly places. These are the things that are against us. And so because those things are against us, we pray. We pray like our lives depend on it. Number two, praying in the spirit is how we learn to have the heart of the Father. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Isn't that interesting? We don't know what to pray for like we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Do you know what my translation, the Krygian translation of this passage is? When we pray, we're clueless. God still wants to hear us pray, don't get me wrong. But it's like at those times when we, we're like, oh, Craig, I don't know what I should pray for. Still pray. The Spirit kicks into high gear and helps us pray for the things we ought to pray for. Fills in the blanks. 
Listen, half the time, I don't know what God is doing. He doesn't tell me. Does he tell you? Prayer helps our spiritual eyes to be open what God might be doing in the pain of these battles. Laura Story wrote a, a song a while ago called Blessings. I don't know if you've ever heard this song before, but if you know the background of this, story, this, uh, this song called Blessings, she, find, she just found out that her husband had a brain tumor. And it devastated her and her family, and she sat down and she wrote these words. We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love, as if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we would have faith to believe. Sometimes answers are not obvious. Sometimes we have to endure the nights, the sleepless nights, but always we have this resource of prayer where we get to walk into the bedroom of God anytime we want. And every time he says, I've been waiting to hear from you. These communications are essential for us to learn the heart of the Father and see his blessings even in the middle of pain. John Calvin, one of the greatest reformers of all time, said it this way, prayer is like a shovel. It unearths the treasures all around us. Number three, praying increases our faith. One point in his life, Jesus' disciples came and told him John the Baptist had died. I don't know if you remember this, but John the Baptist got his head cut off. Remember this story? By this evil, evil king. Jesus already knew this because he's God. But the disciples came and they, it's like, I can just imagine this conversation. No, you go tell him. No, I'm not telling him. You tell him. No, I'm not telling him. You tell him. It's going to crush him. All right. I'll go tell him. Jesus, you should know we just heard John the Baptist is dead. You know what Jesus did? Anyone know? Immediately he, he said, I got to get away, guys. And he spent the entire night in prayer. Now, Jesus knows what's going on. He has the advantage of being God. He knows this is a part of the plan. He knows all this. But it strikes me so powerful that Jesus did not spend the entire night in prayer as an example to us so that, so that he would be like, ah, yeah, I'm just going to spend this time in prayer so everybody will know it's an important thing. That's not what he does. His faith, living out in his life as the Son of God, drove him to the one thing that would bring him comfort and hope and peace, and he spent a night in prayer. It's not the first time. He did this quite often. We want to exhibit the faith that Jesus had. If it was important to Jesus, do you think it should be important to us? Only through prayer can we mouth the words, not my will but yours be done. Sometimes God answers, yes, no, wait. (laughs) Most of the time we're like Job. We have no idea what God's plan is. We're just trying to make it through. Prayer helps us trust God's heart more. Let me just say something. If you've never prayed out loud, you really should. Praying out loud is one of the most powerful things that a Christian can do because you hear your voice audibly. 
You can pray in your head. You can pray silently. That's all good. We do that every Sunday. But if you're not spending time with God, speaking words out loud so you can hear it, you're missing out. I wanted to finish this whole thing a little different today with some questions because I know some of us in here are not used to praying. Some of us in here are not comfortable with prayer. So let me give you a couple of questions. Things that you should now know about prayer and then one thing I want to talk to you a little bit about as we close it out. So here's my first question. Let's see if we know these things. Church, when should we pray? At all times. We should never stop praying, never cease praying. Pray at all times. That means you can pray in the shower, you can pray while you're driving your car. For God's sakes, I pray when I'm driving the car. Because if I don't, I just, I'm, I'm wanting to teach everybody around me how to properly drive. I don't know what's wrong with Illinoisans, but it's like, do, does anybody... Does anybody, do they teach that there's a, a light that tells you what lane to, to, that you're changing? Do they teach that here? I don't think anybody knows it's there. That's all I'm saying. Pray at all times. Pray when you get up. Pray when you lie down. Pray when you're at the dinner table. Pray. John Calvin said, you know what you should do? You should pray after you eat dinner because if it's a bad dinner, you're still giving God thanks. <laughs> pray with your kids. Pray with your friends. Pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Second question, church, who should you pray for? Everyone. Pray for everyone, all people. What should we pray for? Will of God, all things. You can pray for anything you want to, pray for anything. But I hope after this morning you include one of the most powerful things we may have been forgetting, and that is this, that the gospel would change this, this world. And that, that we would be able to live out the gospel like we should like we ought to. Last question, is there a wrong way to pray? Pray at all times, all different ways. I took a mission trip to Guatemala. Took one of the people in this room with me, actually. He was a youth at the time, Michael Pearson. Some of you know him, yeah. Michael was in my youth group many, many years ago, another lifetime, and we went to Guatemala. Michael, uh, I'm making a, a long story short. Uh, Michael digested some things he shouldn't have. And we had to end up taking him to a clinic, which they called a hospital. We were in the, the, where we were was actually between three volcanoes in a very remote part of Guatemala. And by the time we got him back to our camp, he was not doing well at all. And he was just a scrawny little guy at the time. He wasn't, he wasn't the strong, strapping guy that you see right there. He's scrawny, you throw him across the room. Not that I ever did that, but. So we took him into the clinic and uh, he had lost so much salt. He had lost so much, he was dehydrated. He spent the day throwing up. And uh, they put, I think it was three IVs, just started pumping him full of IVs. And I became very scared because it was one of my first trips as a youth pastor taking kids with me and I thought I was gonna lose one. I literally looked at one of our youth leaders and I said, okay, in your opinion, should I call his parents now before he dies or should I wait for him to die before I call his parents? That's a terrible conversation to have. Michael's laying there, I'm, I'm, I'm standing at the, standing over his head. And the church that we were working on found out something had happened. And so they all, they didn't have cars, they all walked across the town and they came to the clinic. And the men filled the room, elders from the church. They filled the room 
and they began to pray. And when they prayed, they prayed in a way that I had never, ever experienced before. It's like we're used to one person praying, everybody listening and saying, you know, amen, I agree with that. Yes, uh, what he's saying, is, I'm for that too, whatever. We, that's how we pray. When they pray, they all pray at the same time. Like it's just one big noise. And I'm standing there over, and I'm listening for the first time to 12 men in this room just lifting up their voices in prayer. And I was so overcome, my heart was just moved. I, I just started bawling. And then they stopped praying, and I still heard the noise. Because what had happened was everybody else from the church came over too, surrounded the building, held hands, and they were all praying outside as we were praying inside. One of the most powerful moments of my life because I experienced prayer as a young youth leader in a way that I never experienced it before. Hearts at the same time crying out to God on the behalf of a brother in Christ. Well, Craig, what if I'm not used to praying? Church, don't be intimidated because somebody prays better than you do. Huh. Literally, you know what prayer is? Darren, can you give me a chair? please grab me a chair, bring it up here. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, sir. You know what prayer is? Prayer is treating God as if he is right there. Prayer is not all the these and the thous and the if thou wilt, I wilt. (laughs) Prayer is treating God as if he's literally sitting there. Prayer is me going down and saying, God, I really need, I need some help in this. I, I don't know what to do. Could you, could you help me? Or, God, I, I just want to thank you because I am not deserving of what you have done and blessed me with. Prayer is treating God as if he's right here. There's no magical way to pray. We've been taught that. Memorize your prayers. <laughs> Maybe God will hear them if you do them just right. We don't treat our kids like that, and God doesn't treat his kids like that. God just wants to hear us pray, hear us cry out to him. What if I'm not used to praying? Your enemy would want nothing more than for you to think you're not equipped to pray. One of the greatest experiences of my life was when I was in seminary, and I had a, one of my professors who, as I like to say, prayed in stereo. What he would do is, and I can't do this because we're on camera, but what he would do is, he would ask us to pray before the session began, and we'd all bow our heads, and I would hear him walk all around the room. He'd just walk around the room, just praying. His prayers were amazing. Every time I would, I'd be like weeping in front of all my friends because he just, he prayed to God like God was literally in one of the chairs of his classroom. And he just walked around and he would touch a desk and pray for this student or touch a desk and pray for this student. And he would remember every prayer request we gave him. And he would just walk through the classroom, praying for each one of us, praying that God's will would be done, adoring God, praising God. I don't remember what much that he taught me but I remember how he prayed. Listen, I don't pray like that. I'm not even close. But if I let that be the standard of how I should pray, I would never pray. The point of the fact is, I have been blessed by somebody who really understood what it means to have a conversation with God. I don't pray the same way as he did, 
but God loves my prayers as much as he loved his. And God loves to hear from you too. Just try it. Like God is in the seat next to you. Don't make a speech, no more than you would for your dad. (laughs) Remember, it's not magical. You don't have to wear an Iron Man suit in order to break through. You don't need a radioactive spider to tap into this power from God. Your father just wants to hear from you and when you verbalize your prayers, you tap into the greatest power that you have. You tap into the ear of the general. So church, I would say, don't neglect this even for one more day. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till the end of this day. The Bible says, prayer is how you grip the heart of God. So for God's sake, pray without ceasing. Father, I'm grateful that we get to speak to you and you listen to us. We neglect this so often in our lives because, well, to be honest, Satan just keeps us so distracted. We fret, we worry, we get angry. We experience every emotion and we forget to pray. Teach us to be more dependent. Teach me to be more dependent on my conversations with you. We have several folks here that are fairly new believers, they're not used to praying. Father, that you would just give them a boldness to speak to you as they ought to speak, a boldness to proclaim the gospel in their lives, the ability to understand that you are a a God who, who is our Father. You love to hear from us. I pray that Village Church East would be a church full of prayers. And may we tap into this wonderful power that you've given to us that helps us stand stronger than few other things. We'd love to hear from you. Help us to remember how much you love to hear from us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.